As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the Hold That Podcast podcast. We are back after a solid win, I guess we could call it, over the weekend. That looks great on looks great on paper. Um, Does you know, it? For those of it, for those, I don't know. Thirty four seven looks fine, but like yeah. if anybody watched it. But anyway, hi Brody, how are you? I am good, Chris. How are you? It feels good to be back in my New Orleans home, and I believe you are as well, right? Yes, and you know, as you like to say, Johnny Athletic dropped me off this beautiful microphone, so I hope my Dulcet tones are crispy over the airwaves. I, um, we, we, we've come a long way. I was so going to say, we've come podcasts. from a pantry, a literal pantry. Yep. To, and I, I just love, I hope that there have been listeners, you know, who listened the last two weeks who are going to listen to this one and just be like, you know what? I put those miles in for a reason. You know, I put, I've been here on the ground floor listening to staticky, flawed audio, and now they're like, mm-hmm. I, I earned this, you know? So I'm, I'm happy for them, really. Evacuated pantry to uh, nice mics. In our respective powered homes. Absolutely. I recorded one in, in a girlfriend's aunt's house, another in mm. a in a mobile guest house what, with cats in it, so I couldn't breathe and I was like wheezing while recording. It was just good times. So yeah, I feel I feel you great. Know, there is there is some sort of allegory to be made here about LSU's football season. I'll I'll let you finish that off if you Oh, want I'm not to smart enough to finish it, but I agree. <laughs> Someone has it. Our our friend Matt will probably uh friend of the show, he'll he'll probably have the uh the the be tweeting us the perfect allegory. But yeah, man, it's uh, feels good to be back, and now it's good to talk LSU football, even though things aren't exactly ideal on that front. Yeah, I mean, as we said, it's been a weird couple weeks for us. It has been an even weirder week for weirder time for LSU football. And let's let I want to flip the pyramid here because you know we can talk about the game. Everybody's talked about the game, but Hashtag the big news the today is that hopeful star running back John Emery right now is ineligible for the season due to it sounds like a self inflicted academic issue. Can you just break it down for me? Like, it seems very layered and uh, ridiculous. And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who to blame here. I don't know what's wrong here. But just give me the quick rundown. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a tricky situation that's still very much in flux. But the Cliff's Notes version is that, yeah, I mean, John Emery fell behind academically last year, uh, was short of some credits, things like that. And, and you know, I think... I think LSU's side of things and a lot of people's side of things is that John Emery had a lot going on last year. You know, he, uh, his stepfather, you know, quite frankly, 
was hospitalized due to COVID and had kidney failure and was paralyzed for, you know, months and months during the season. And his grandmother died. It just many other family members got sick. And, and again, that's not like me being like, hey, that means you should be able to not take the classes. But LSU side of things was kind of that players get waivers for much less all the time. And it sounds like there was some sort of issue. Anyway, long story short, he was behind last fall. Then he had things he had to make up this summer, and it sounds like he was unable to make most of that up this summer. Uh, you know, still short on some classes. And, you know, I, I think LSU, the, the interesting thing about it was LSU thought it was kind of fixed as of game week of UCLA. Like, there was actually, like, people were saying positive things. Like, all right, it's figured out. And then very briefly before the US UCLA game, it was they were informed that he would not be eligible. And then they, you know, that was obviously a big blow. And then... They appealed this past week, and it was denied again, I believe, on Friday, I believe was the day. So they are now, as of right now, John Emery is academically ineligible for the entire season. Now, I'll have a story up. You know, we're recording this at 2 p.m. Central Time. I'm, I, I will have a story up later tonight uh, talking to, you know, he is lawyering up. And he is, you know, they are going to continue to fight this. You know, I believe they are hiring Don Jackson, who is, many will remember, as the lawyer who got Christian Fulton eligible eventually. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they, you know, it's, I don't think it's over. I don't. Uh, and it's, and I think NCAA history is kind of showing you lawyer up. Things tend to get figured out sometimes, uh, as we've seen with some of the transfer stuff. But, uh, yeah, so it's a weird situation. And, and I'm not going to pretend I know every little detail of what happened with his course credits or anything like that. But, yeah, it's a tough blow. I mean, John Emery was supposed to be the the breakout star of that running back room. And there was a lot of optimism. This five-star talent was finally going to put it all together. You know, I think the line was that Jake Peets wanted him to be like their Christian McCaffrey. And now, now tiring it. I mean, the O-line's struggling, so maybe the running back play doesn't matter. But but still, losing a dynamic guy like Emery really uh, really hurts. LSU needs all the guys they can get right now, man. That's, that's my thoughts on it. And, like, I think about this two ways. It's so weird that, A, it sounds like this guy, could have been handled better by LSU, maybe a little bit. Somebody, there, were, there, were, there was some technical snafu somewhere. But people make mistakes. I'm not, I can't be mad about that. But if that was me and I wasn't playing football and I was normal LSU student, Chris Branch, I could probably change the class and I would be just fine. Like, <laughs> yeah. What is this like ridiculous? It, it, it's like I had forgotten about the NCAA's kind of ridiculousness on all levels after the NIL stuff, and it seems like they've been kind of defanged when it comes to a lot of their power and then like stuff like this comes up and i'm like can we just sign them up for the right class like what like well so why, that's why is big, it too late that's been a big rumor going around all day today and there was a huge miscommunication on twitter because a reporter asked is it because he signed up for the wrong class because that was what that reporter i guess had heard and at ogeron all he said was because it was like a two-part question we were asking, is he out for the season and is this why? And he said, mm-hmm. yes, he's out for the season. And I think at least five reporters then tweeted out that it was because he signed up for the wrong class. I, From what I have been told by multiple people, that part is not true. I think that is a, a false rumor. I, I have one rule in reporting that I never 100% confidently say something didn't happen because it's much easier to prove something did happen than it didn't. So I don't know. Right. But but no, I, I do not think that rumor is accurate. So I, I, I don't know uh, where that exactly came from. I, I know going back to fall, he was short on classes. So I don't understand that exactly. But hey, if anyone has evidence of that, I'm all ears. But I don't think that part's true. But still, I'm, I don't mean to cut you off. There is... No, that, that was good. I, I just like... So... 
All right, I'm processing this in real time right now, which is good. <laughs> this is this is this is why we're the best. Uh, this, this is why we're, we're the this best. This is visceral reaction to what's going on. So so this is not him failing a class. Well, this is. Okay. I think you can put blame on John Emery. Of course you can. I mean, it would be kind of silly not to. He definitely didn't do some things he was supposed to do. That much is clear. And I also think there was some LSU whether it be administration or compliance or whatever, some issues on their end that they didn't handle their end of the bargain too. I think this is a thing where you can be mad. You can be frustrated with almost everyone involved. I think that's a fair way to put it. It's also the classic Brody Miller cop-out way of putting it. But I, I, I think it's real that, yeah, John Emery did not hold up his end of the bargain. Some would argue he had reasons. Some would argue he didn't get the, he did not get the administrative uh, support that some other players have gotten to get to fix these problems. But still, I think it's a multi-pronged problem. I mean, and maybe this is just my biased default here, but I'm like, if the, he were John Smith and nobody cared about his eligibility for athletics, he could go to a school counselor and they could fix everything and he would be fine. Am I wrong? I, maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking out of my ass there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I it, think it, I- it just seems like a lot of unnecessary stuff for like. Can we just go ahead and fix the class? Like, like not fix the well, class. That's my thing. Form, I don't like, think. I don't. Can think we get him in the right with- spot and everything? Everybody say. Okay, like go to class, but you're in the right spot now and everything's fine. Well, that's my thing. I don't think it had to do with literally like being the wrong class. I think that's not accurate. Okay. I, I think it had more to do with he didn't meet the total number of hours, then he had to make up for it. He still maybe failed a class or two or didn't hit or didn't hit the total number he needed to hit. I don't think it was like they messed up the class. I don't there might have also been a mess up, but I do not think that is the fundamental reason John Emery's in the situation he is. I, I guess we should wait for more details to come out and I'm sure that in the in the coming days you'll hear some more from Yes. You know, every everybody involved. I, I hope he gets it done because it, it no matter what, it seems kind of silly to me that he isn't allowed to play football because of a uh, logistical uh, snafu, a paperwork thing, or whatever. Again, I, I, just... I don't know if it's necessarily a paperwork thing. I think he didn't meet his number of credits and all that. Like, I, I okay. think, I think there was like it was clear he didn't, he would not have been eligible. They just thought they figured it out. Well, I hope they figure it out because <laughs> what's one more thing already this season? Um, so, do you think he wins an appeal? Just gut feeling. I'm not, I'm not holding you to this reporting wise. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, what makes it tough is that the appeal was already denied, right? So that's what, and this is, goes back to the Fulton thing, right? Because the Fulton thing had technically been finished, and then right. they kind of just like lawyered it up enough and wrote enough letters and pushed enough to get the NCAA to kind of change its mind and rule them eligible. So I don't, I don't know what it, what's always tough with these things is I do not know what the literal tangible instrument is to to get this change but yeah i i think my gut feeling is that this will somehow get resolved in the next few weeks just because one don jackson if if he does you know as of now he's supposed to be the lawyer i mean that could change but he tends to win these things and two it just feels like a situation where and this is on the lsu side where they were asking for a waiver and i'll be honest and you know lsu sources have said like they have seven or eight other players who have gotten waivers for, you know, mm-hmm. academic issues this season. You know, like this is not an uncommon thing. And those seven or eight players had far less reason for a waiver than John Emery. And that's kind of their point. And again, like I said, I do think John Emery did fall short on things. I'm not saying, but like other people have gotten waivers for far less. And John Emery actually had a really tough situation. And they're just kind of like, even if it is just like bureaucracy, it's kind of like, 
why would he not get it when these other people did? So that's the part that makes me just gut feeling. And again, a lot of this is speculation, but I do kind of think it will get figured out. But I have no timeline for that. I don't know what the instrument is, and that's what makes it so hard. Like, what got the Christian Fulton case really done is that it became a national, national case. Yeah. That kind of did it. And and again, that might happen with this. And again, I'll have a story up tonight, and we'll see what happens. But I think that kind of helped it. I don't know if that will happen here. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let him play football. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it the good news is Chris is that you're not biased at all. You have no reason for John Emery to want to be eligible. No, yeah, no, not at all. But I, I'm just saying that I feel bad for the kid. I mean, he's had he came in as a five star recruit. Um, you know, he had he's had an up and down career. He had the LASIK surgery. He had family issues. He, he has he's he's been through a lot already. And what's, yes, hey, shoot, his house got why, flooded why in another like. Every year he's been poised for a breakout, and then the, this year it's not even a physical issue. It's not, you know, some some family uh, issues that he was unfortunately dealing with. It's just it's just the class. Like, I, man, it's academics tough. are important, and you know, let's get him in the right spot and everything. But I, I just, it's kind of ridiculous to me that he can't play. But that's <laughs> yeah. all I'll say. Yeah, I know it's tough, uh, but. And it's also sad because, you know, sad might not be the right word, but, you know, I, I do think people need to be held a little accountable. But at the same time, yeah, like his freshman year, he was just not, didn't learn the playbook right, never, like, didn't made a lot of mental mistakes, all that stuff, and then, then the LASIK stuff. And then last year, I think there was still just, like, a lack of dependability. You know, I, I, I think I mentioned to you a few times the thing where like, LSU kind of took a note from another school of, like, kind of having the players vote on who – didn't exactly like who did represent LSU best and who didn't. And a few different times Emory was voted as someone who didn't. And that was back in the spring. But I I did kind of get the sense he was stepping up. He was, he was growing. He was kind of like figuring some things out and really was going to have this year. And again, you know, he didn't take care of his side of things. So, you know, obviously deserves some responsibility, but it is kind of unfortunate that right when, uh, right when it seemed like things were getting figured out, this kind of happens, but we'll see if things get figured out by SEC play. Right. I hope they do. I hope they do. And here's a nice segue because John would have had a lot of touches this weekend in the, in the game. You know, the running back saw a lot more time, all three of them, than they did in the UCLA game. Um, I thought they looked pretty good. I, I don't know. I mean, I know the offensive line struggled, but uh, I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think what makes this – I think the thing you always have to – everything goes back to the offensive line, right? Because yep. I mean, you and I said this at length last week – 
I didn't leave at UCLA. I know Ty Davis probably does not have a good game, and we can get into a bigger discussion. I'm sure we will right now, actually, about like whether Ty Davis Price kind of limits you offensively and all that. But the issues themselves were not about Ty Davis Price or Josh Williams or anyone else. Like they were because against UCLA, at least there were zero holes. And by the way, and this is probably what I'm, and we're going to get to this in a minute. The biggest concern out of this, yes, they won 34-7, all that. But the offensive line probably made you more concerned against McNeese than they even did against UCLA because they were not getting a push against an FCS school that allowed 40-something points to West Florida and allowed them to go for 4.8 yards a carry. And LSU couldn't even do that for most of the game. So that is like where you're like, oh, shoot. But And I think we'll get to that in a second. But I think your question was about the running backs. And, yeah, I think the running backs themselves looked pretty good. I would agree with that. And I think the big thing everyone is just holding out hope for now is those two freshmen, Armani Goodwin and Corey Kiner, who people yep. were pretty mad did not play against UCLA. And right. Goodwin was obviously hurt, came in his first career rush Saturday, looked really good on that 21-yard, toss left, just broke through, mm-hmm. just looks like a dynamic playmaker. He got a little banged up again. Now he's questionable again for Saturday, so obviously that's a, a, a blow. Oh, but good. he should. Great. It's, a, it's a little thing. Like He'll probably be okay to play eventually, but... Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of hope for Goodwin and Kiner to do something because they actually add some, you know, a dynamic playmaker to the fold while Ty Davis Bryce is kind of your classic A to B guy. But like you said, I mean, you know, I don't want us to get boring about this because we, I feel like we have really covered the gamut of offensive line worries either going into the season and then coming out of the of the UCLA game, and now it was the same thing. And, and let's let's be clear, like. McNeese is not an elite FCS program either right now. Like no, you could excuse UCLA. There's actually no excuse for this. Because I mean it's it's, it's not like this is, you know, a South Dakota State team or, or one of those FCS powers that yeah. you know has a really good team every year. Like this is not, not a good bad, McNeese man. defense. <laughs> it's not it's not great, man. Like I And I, I know, know I know people are going to bring up that they were with LSU was without three offensive linemen starters. Sure, you're right. Austin Deculus, Cam Wire, and uh, Jason Hines, and even Anthony Bradford were all unavailable. So, yeah, sure. But, again, LSU's 7th, 8th, and ninth defensive offensive lineman not being able to get a push against McNeese is still a massive red flag. And, by the way, Ed Ingram and Liam Shanahan didn't have good days either, and we spent all offseason talking about how LSU desperately needs to develop that depth. And actually, I was even like trying to do a little spin zone of going into this game being like, well, hey, this might actually be good because it means Charles Turner and the Xavier Hills of the world are getting reps they didn't get before. Maybe that'll like actually help develop the depth. And now they actually look further behind than I imagined. It's like, oh, you actually aren't ready at all for SEC football. So it's kind of like it's not panic mode, but not far from panic mode of this offensive line is in, in real trouble. And again, I know they're going to get their starters back soon, but again, it's just, if that's the situation against McNeese, it's a real problem. Now on that note, did I see you tweet earlier that Deculus and Wire are both out again? Uh, Wire's likely out again. Deculus is a, a maybe to be determined and, uh, and Chase and Hines is expected to be back. But again, yeah, like, no wire stings, but at least you know you like a Charles Turner or whoever to maybe get a chance there. But yeah, you want you want at least two of those three guys back. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, but just the hits keep coming with LSU. For being honest, I mean, so a lot of it's self inflicted, and a lot of it's just bad luck too. Where they they played without nineteen scholarship players on Saturday, and who knows, we'll be back. Well, let's hope they're getting all this out the way early in the season. I, I don't know. Trying trying to find silver linings here. Let let me talk about one more thing from McNeese. 
and I don't want to turn into sports radio caller Tiger Droppings poster. I know his stats were not great. I really enjoyed watching Nussmeyer play. Okay, I'm glad my you man was this slinging up. it. My Give man me your was thoughts. slinging it around. He like I don't know. He just projects a lot of confidence. I know he's not there yet. I know he's not ready. But I it was it was a positive for me. It was a spark that like I don't know. He saw a receiver and he said, "I'm I'm just gonna throw that. I don't like single coverage, <laughs> whatever." And it was there. Like I mean, I, I know he's, he was like three of ten, but um, I don't know. I enjoyed his series. I was invested late in the game after being kind of uh, dulled by the first half and maybe a little disappointed by the lack of um, beat him down there. Uh, but I did enjoy watching Nussmeyer play. So hit me. Yeah, no, I mean, that's completely valid. And I think that's almost like what we exactly we thought would happen. And I think my my place with it is everything that he did Saturday backs up in both the good and the bad, everything I expected to happen Saturday. And I mean that in both very good ways. And like, hey, you know, maybe he's not ready. In the sense that the exact report on him through all of camp and spring was, this guy is exciting. This guy is uber talented. This guy has, like, there's a lot of Johnny Manziel there. It was something several coaches said to me. Like, this guy can play. But the number one thing with him, and I think we even said this last week before we were talking about how he's going to play this week, was he does force some things. And he does have a tendency to just, like, take off out of the pocket when he just flat out doesn't need to yet. Stuff like that. And that is exactly kind of what we saw. Where from the very first play, literally drops back, immediately just launches one downfield. Chucked it. Yeah. And by the way, and here's the thing we got to mention. Every ball he threw was gorgeous. Like, it was a beautiful was. football. It's like they were the perfect hybrid of kind of bad decisions, but perfect plays. So it's like, <laughs> where do you, it's like, I don't know, man. Good luck judging that as a coach. Cause like, he placed it gorgeous. And like, almost every one of those could have been caught. Like, they could have. I'm not mm-hmm. like, the, they're the kind of balls where you're not going to blame a receiver for not getting it. Cause there was hands in there. And like, one of them was batted down. Like, they were tough. But every one of them there was there. And it was like, oh, mm-hmm. shoot, this guy can really do things. There was the one where he sc- scrambled right and just threw a gem into double coverage, by the way, to Dre yeah. Jenkins down the right sideline. You're like, again, that was beautiful. But also, SEC's intercepting that. So it's like, where do I stand? And there was the one play where it looked like a sure sack. And he it kind of looked Burrow-esque in a way where he just completely juked out of the sack and ran to the right. So, yeah, yep. this dude's very exciting. But at the same time, he's just not. You know, he just I, – I don't think – I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Yeah, he's going to make some mistakes. I'm not, I'm not calling in the post game saying get him in there now. Yeah, but I'm excited for when he uh, eventually takes the mantle, whether that is next year, even the year after. I know Max is young, but you know, well, I, I I'm just excited that he's there. That made me excited that he's here, and I don't know. I like him. That's all I got to say about. No, it. I mean you're not wrong. And here's where I think it's going to be interesting in the part that like it's not even about getting ahead of ourselves. It's just something we're watching. Is that there is a small part of me knowing that Ogeron is under some pressure right now and knowing that the offense does look really troubled right now, like in a systematic sense of just like the scheme, the O-line, just like being on the same page, like all that stuff. We're just running your true offense. Again, that can really improve in the next few weeks, but as of right now, it's not working. This is not me saying this should happen. This is me saying I'm watching it. I do wonder if there might come a point in the next, at some point this season where Ed Ogeron might have to think about it and be like, we need to put the guy in there who, mistakes included, can overcome, you know, other flaws. Does that make sense? Where it's like, yeah. Johnson's the guy I want if I'm running an offense. Yeah. But sometimes you need a guy who's going to make stuff happen when nothing's there because that's kind of the situation right now. Is that wrong? So I think that's something to at least watch, even if I'm not like, I'm not saying we're there yet or anything. 
You're not wrong. I mean, it, we can turn this back on the first string offense, you know, looking just fine. You know, they <laughs> they scored when they needed to, but it was like I, there was nothing thrilling about it. Like, I, you know, and I just look back and I was I, I was spoiled by 19, of course. But he, even last year, you know, they, they were putting up points as, as we talked about. And um, I just I didn't I didn't get the spark. I didn't feel it. No, like, I, I, mean, I, I think I'm more alarmed with the offense from Saturday than you are, because quite frankly, they looked bad. I mean, they, that's just the actual truth where. From the first, I believe, nine drives, they had one drive go more than 33 yards. Ugh. Like, they ran, I think, they had the big Goodwin run to start, so 21 yards. And after that, I believe they averaged, like, two and a half yards a carry. They had, like, one run, like, one run of more than, like, five yards for the next, like, 20 or something. Like, they could not run the football against McNeese. Johnson was under pressure against McNeese. They were having these same kind of problems of, and Ed Ojean talked at length about it today pretty openly about the tempo problems. And, like, and, you know, I asked him, I said, like, is that you guys not going up tempo or is that, like, a mistake happening? And he was honest and he said it, it had to do with, like, they're trying to get it where they look at the sideline, have everything going, and maybe they need to get rid of that because. There's just issues with getting the play from the sideline and getting everyone ready so that the clock is ticking so much more than they want it to. And then there's just like drops and then Johnson sometimes even one hops some and, and all that. So I think there is just like re- – and, and again, I want LSU was not like just because there have been a lot of games against FCS where LSU is just going vanilla, get, get me through this game and move on. This was not that. They were trying shit. They were they were doing reverses and fake toss mm-hmm. reverses and and trying new stuff with getting Trey Palmer and Butte involved with like in a lateral sense because they have that speed like they were trying things and it just wasn't working so I am the number one believer in give things time and that think it's a young offense to some extent and they're gonna figure things out but through two games it's an it's a D or an F right there so I, I think it's I, I think I'm more alarmed with that offense than you are. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I was expecting more of a get right game, but also I, I I guess I just am hopeful that maybe this the vibes were weird and that you know nobody I don't know they didn't get up for it for whatever reason, which is alarming if they didn't. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just trying trying to. I did like, like I told you before the podcast. I feel like I learned nothing, and I know that you're That's taking fair. out some, but but like. This is FCS McNeese, and you look at it on paper, it's 34-7, even though it didn't feel that way. But I don't know. Let's. This is going to be a hey, segue into our next Disagreement day. is healthy. We need this. Tell me why I sh- if I should be worried about next weekend. Well, yeah. Um, I think the main reason is, and again, again, same thing. LCU in a vacuum is far better than Central Michigan. But the reason is because Central Michigan is a pretty well-coached team that kind of knows what it's doing and they don't really make mistakes and they're tough and all of that. And they're not, you know, they're not, they don't have any one area that really jumps out or anything like that. But pretty much what one coach said was like, they're good at every position. You can tell they're well-coached. And they said, kind of look for their run game because LSU has not exactly shown a good run defense against UCLA. So I think that's the big thing to watch. And, and, you know, Jim McElwain's, a, even though he didn't work out of Florida, is still a good coach for that level and all that. So I think I think there's real, like, concern in that building that, like, this is not a cakewalk. This is actually a game where they need to get up for because after how they've looked through two weeks, they could they could be surprised here. So, yeah, I don't think this is a, a look to Mississippi State game at all. They need to make big improvements. 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm looking at their box score in that opener against Missouri that seemed like it was a decently close game. More first downs than Missouri. Uh yeah, yeah, 174 yards rush. I mean, but then, but then you, I you spiral down to, is LSU with the same caliber team as Missouri right now? I don't know. I mean, the actual answer, just off what we, I'm, I'm not saying it's gonna be the case in the four weeks, but if we can tangibly go on right now, LSU is not better than Missouri in any way. Like, <sighs> Missouri was in a battle with a really good Kentucky team on Saturday and, and it was a really good game and Kentucky won, but the Kentucky is a really top probably a top twenty five team in the country. So like you there's more evidence that Missouri's good right now than, than LSU. Here's what I want to see. I want to see <laughs> you want to kill those... me right now. You're like, God damn it. No Brody. no 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 I, I I I sadly agree with you. The things I'm looking for this weekend are A some like figure something out on offense. Yes, they tried a lot of stuff. Let's let's have some of that work more often, please. Yeah. I do I did come away slightly encouraged about the defense after the McNeese game. And you know, I think T Bob might have said this. Somebody said this that like they looked like a good SEC defensive line against an FCS team, which like, yes, that's a great look for us. But at the same time, it's like you expect that. That it should happen. So like it was cool to see Mason Smith just like wreck shit. And do what Mason Smith has been purported to do. You know, he's this star freshman, and he was getting. I think he had three or three or four sacks. Three. Uh, Smith three. Yeah. Still, I mean, either way, awesome. So, I mean, I'm looking at these stats from the Missouri game, and uh, Central put up 475 yards of offense. Like they had a pretty good game against an SEC defense. I like to think that LSU's defense is better than Missouri's. So. I'm going to hope realistically that the defense sets the tone, the offense scores enough, and it's a – oh, God, I, I hate that I'm even saying this. A two-score win. That, that, <laughs> am I happy with – I don't know, man. I'm spiraling here, Brody. You sent me down the path. <laughs> yeah, I think this – yeah, I think this will really probably come down to what the defense does because, yeah, you're right. Like, the, what they showed against McNeese, it, like, it kind of goes back to your thing. I didn't learn anything about the defense, but it at least conf- – I've always believed this D-line is super talented, and I always knew for sure. And by the way, the UCLA game confirmed this too. The pass rush is great at LSU. That's actually what everyone was saying. Like I even had a coach telling me like a week before the season, the pass rush is elite. The run defense was a little iffy. And I actually kind of like yada yada that. I'm like, I think the run defense is going to be fine. They're loaded up front. No, I mean, the run defense got beat against UCLA. So it was kind of like a lesson that like, 
good D like a great D line who can pass rush doesn't automatically mean they're also good run stoppers. And that's obviously like common sense, but I think sometimes we don't think that. So that was kind of a lesson. But anyway, sorry. I think that's what I'm going to be watching is, yeah, can can that really talented front become a better run-stopping front? Can those linebackers improve and all that stuff? Yeah, I think that's going to be it because if LSU can show up defensively and not make those mistakes, I think they should win that battle. But, again, we just don't have the evidence of that yet. But, yeah, LSU did – I mean, Andre Anthony looked elite coming off the edge. Uh, mm-hmm. Mason Smith dominated. And he dominated, like, multiple ways. Like, he was, like – some plays he'd be just, like, driving a guard back 10 yards into the backfield for a sack. There was another where he just completely swam a guy, like, with a finesse move. So, yeah, he's obviously the real deal. Another promising thing, and, again, competition is relative, but Jaquelin Roy looked pretty good Saturday, which mm-hmm. he's somebody, I think, who had an amazing – a really promising freshman year – that I think, you know, throughout the offseason, they were kind of like, hey, he doesn't take in the jump we wanted him to. And there was some, like, not disappointment, but, like, I want to see more. And, again, I don't know if he's there yet, but that's promising, too. So, yeah, that's – and B.J. Ojolari looked good. So – and you're going to get Ollie Gay back soon. So, yeah, the D-line just needs to prove they can run run stop, and they'll be fine. Yeah, let's, let's hope. All right, I, let's stop depressing me. I <laughs> thinking of – Thinking about there's uh, not a lot of positive yet, man, and there might be positive. I'm actually like, again, I am the number one believer, and I do not judge teams in football until like week four because things are getting figured out still. But well, game game four is exactly put up or shut up time. I love when it's an indicator of how your team is playing when you get the 11 a.m. slot. (laughs) You're not wrong, and it's my favorite. I mean, no one cares about sports writers in our lives, but it's my favorite thing is watching. LSU Twitter meltdown when there's an 11 a.m. game because obviously they want to, you know, as you know better than I, get drunk and tailgate. But I'm in heaven because that means I get to come home in a reasonable hour for once and I get to finish my story and still watch the night games. Oh, man, I'm in, I'm in heaven for that 11 a.m. game. But I know you guys don't give a shit. Well, I, it is different because it's an away game. Uh, you know, if, if I was going to the game, I'd probably be pretty mad if it was an 11 a.m. kick. But um, I don't know. I'm going to watch it home and then have the rest of the night to either feel good about myself or feel bad. But we could talk about that next weekend. That's, that's down the road. Let's, let's beat Central Michigan first. That's, <laughs> that's my hope, and I, I hate that I feel that way. But I don't know. This is where we are. I, I still am decently hopeful, to be honest, because I just, I just feel like there's too much talent. And with all this pressure on Ed and the coaching staff, like Ed is a master motivator. And – I was hoping for a little more spark this weekend, yes, but he's going to have to fail for me to lose faith in him getting guys up for a game. I don't know what that looks like. And also, like we said, we have LSU has two new coordinators. Like, this is their, that was their second game. Like, I, I am a little more patient after this weekend now that there is a win under their belt and they maybe can build on some things and they have more things that they can dissect. There's, there's just yeah. more data in the system now, good and bad that you can dissect and figure out. So I'm circling, I mean, get past this weekend. I'm circling Mississippi State for when I feel like I'll have my first actual judgment of the season and feel confident either way about what this team's going to be like. Because, you know, we can use these as get right games and, you know, do whatever, try whatever you want, try new stuff. But when you go to Starkville against a team that uh, frankly embarrassed you last year, um, Got to have everything lined up. I mean, <laughs> that's put up or shut up time. And then if, if, if that goes poorly, then I'm not going to feel great about the rest of the year after that. So, 
No, I mean that's fair. I think I think I view this as my first game. I'm gonna like judge them firmly off because this is a quality Mac school, and it's like if you you're three games in, like I I, I agree with your whole sentiment that like yeah, Mississippi State's probably the first one. We're like, but like this is at least a decent opponent, and you've had at least a decent amount of time to figure things out. Now this is where it's like if it doesn't happen this week. It's like, oh, this SEC season's going to be troubled. And I think that's where I'm kind of at. But I still, yeah, I'm with you. And by the way, I want to give at least like some positive. I actually think it's a, I'm, I was impressed with what I saw LSU trying offensively Saturday. Like those were positive things. Some of those creative things we mentioned, the changes in the run game, the ways to use Butte and and Palmer and all that. Like I actually thought those were good things. I was just kind of like, Oh man, they still only got four yards, you know. Right. But but I think those are positives of things that could really work as the season goes on. I think Jake Peets has things up his sleeve. I actually do believe in Jake Peets as a mind. I just think we are seeing a first time OC, and that there's no guarantee that's going to get figured out in year one. There just isn't, and that's what's tough. <sighs> All right, let's end on a positive note, Brody. I actually was bringing up a positive, and then I somehow couched it with an and then, negative. And so then I'm you, sorry. you, yeah. you, you turn back down. It's fine. I think Jake Beats is going to get better each week, and I think Jake, there's a good chance this offense will be fine. But though I don't know if you can fix the line. That's I did it again. Oh my god! There, there we are, back again. Positive couch with negative. Negative couch with positive. That is how I do things. I just want to say, last note from my fan perspective, that. Being back at the tailgate this weekend was an immaculate experience. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. The weather was great. Even, like, obviously I was kind of bummed that the game wasn't a little more dominating, but I don't know, man. It was like it was like the first day back at school after two years. I, I was seeing people that I hadn't seen in a long time, and it was in this very familiar setup. And I was kind of worried that, you know, we would show back up out there and it would just feel different since, like, you know, the world had changed since the last time that we were all – at we were allowed to tailgate for an LSU game and it didn't, it felt normal. I mean, the only different thing was that right after I got out of my car at like nine 30 in the morning, um, a roving band of, uh, young workers came and asked me for my Vax card. And it was great. I showed them my LA wallet. They slapped me with a wristband. So there was no, uh, for me, there was no logistical issues of getting in the stadium and, you know, figuring that out. I mean, I, I had that figured out 10 hours before the game. It felt like, so, um, that was easy. It was great. I hope everyone else had a similar time because uh, it was just good to be back. And I mean, I, I know we wish it could have been a different game, but I don't know. One positive step in the right direction. Hopefully, uh, we'll be uh, pretty energetic this weekend. No, it, it definitely did. It felt like an actual home game for the first time in, in quite a while. And this was even like a, a, a pretty weak one, you know, because it's McNeese. So it's like, man, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, what's the what's the next home game? Is it Auburn or yeah? I mean, I think that's what I'm I'm really looking that's forward. That's a big to. one. Yeah. yeah, so I think that feels really good. And you're, I didn't get you know I'll be honest with you, man. I was so beat from the past two weeks that I didn't rush to Baton Rouge Saturday. I'm like I need to just like calm down for a second. So I didn't yeah. actually go tailgate, and I kind of regret it. But rest is good. But I'm looking forward to getting back to the tailgate world soon. So just curious, are you were you guys allowed back in like? locker rooms they had a press conference and everything no we are still zoom only still zooming huh okay which is a little frustrating because like they're still letting they're letting the players and coaches go talk to everyone they want in the sidelines and they're still allowed to like everyone was allowed in the sidelines that used to be accept us so 
that is my uh, 30 minute mark in the podcast. If you're still listening, that is my complaint that we are uh, still not allowed to get back to normal despite letting everyone else. But here we are. Well, I don't know. It's it, That's all right. I mean, I know it, it kind of hinders you to do your job as you want to, but it's also kind of a new normal for, for you at this point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, hey, why don't you stop on my tailgate next weekend, huh? Well, actually, this is where I'm going to tell you guys and listeners, and I'll tweet this later, but I will actually be missing my first LSU game uh, in in like four years. Wow. I am uh, I will be at a wedding Saturday that I cannot miss, so I will be... Nice. So Larry Holder of The Athletic, our, our colleague, will be covering the game for me. Love Larry. Great. Okay. Uh, I mean, we'll miss you, but uh, hope the wedding goes well. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man, it's wedding season. Well, actually, it's not really wedding season, but there's a wedding. And um, and then I'll be back for the Mississippi State game. Big times. All right, well, uh, yeah, you have anything else to add, Birdie? Nah, man, that's it. Let's get that O-line in better shape. Not You, you can't say let's, but I, I can say that. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.